This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. The Mystery Playhouse. A rebroadcast for the service men and women of the United Nations. Good evening. This is Peter Loring. <laughs> if you like mystery and suspense, if your tastes run to the macabre or the supernatural, if sweetness and delight bores you, then, my friends, you've come to the right place. I promise you, there is nothing sweet and very little light here in a mystery playhouse. some lonely promontory there lives a strange old fellow lonely as the hermit his home a cave hollowed from the rocky hillside his only companions a pack of evil looking evil smelling dogs it has been said that no tale of mystery or horror of this world or the next has escaped the hermit's knowing gaze. He knows more than the hermit does, and he's going to tell you his latest as we take you to the hermit's cave. Out of the olives. 
Wait till your father gets here. I suppose I'll have to attend to it myself, like everything else around here. You're referring to the broken screen in the bedroom window, Catherine. I was planning to get at it right after dinner. I was referring, Edgar, to the towel rack in the bathroom. So? What about it? Every morning for two weeks, I've mentioned a towel rack at breakfast, and every time you said I'll fix it tonight. I said I'll fix it, and I'll fix it. My, everything looks good. Pass your plate, Kathy. Edgar, you haven't washed your hands. Hmm? Are they clean? You've been fooling around down in that old, dirty basement with heaven knows what. I'm not going to eat out of any dirty plates you've touched with those hands. Honestly, Edgar, you're worse than William was when he was... No, I've just been adjusting some electrical equipment. I haven't been working with hydrochloric acid or typhoid germs. I... All right, I'll wash them in the kitchen. Getting this family down to the dinner table on Sunday is harder than doing a week's wash. And don't dry your hands on my tea towel. What is that, Kathy? I said, don't use my clean tea towel. Oh, how I, how I would like to have just one Sunday dinner where I didn't have to go around and corral you. Father's the worst of all. Where is it? What did you do with it? What? Where's that pan of water? Pan of water I left on the windowsill. What? Three days ago, I put a pan of water in the kitchen window. Now it's gone. Well, I threw it out. Threw it out? I was saving it for an experiment. But it was just a pan of water, so I brought it down the sink. Catherine, I told you to save that. It was full of organisms I was saving for an experiment. It was perfectly empty, except for the water. Microscopic organisms. Amoeba, spirogyrum things. Can't see them without a microscope. Now I'll have to get some more stagnant water. Never mind your stagnant water. Sit down and eat. That makes me sore. Man can't have anything around here. Well, no use crying over a spilled spirogyrum. I was talking to your mother. I'm sorry. Now, let's not have any arguments, especially over anything so silly. Silly? That's all the credit a man gets for trying to advance science. All right, Edgar, dear. Let's postpone advancing science until after dinner. Man works all week, comes home, tries to relax with a nice, quiet hobby down in the basement where he won't bother anybody. His family throws his specimens. Edgar, I don't see why you don't take up a hobby that'll at least get you out in the open air. You're cooped up in that old bank all week. And then down you go into the basement, breathing heavens knows what kind of poison gas. Kathy, are you going to start that again? I'm not going to work with poison gas. I'm not going to blow up the house. Now, let's eat our dinner. Scotch fudge. Pretty good, too. Uh, I'll be done. Uh, have you still got the formula? Well, I didn't write any of it down. I just mixed things together. Well, the funny thing, you know, Doc was trying to make fudge the other night for Sydney, and she got a substitute for rubber. Milligrams. Hey, what's in this big barrel, huh? Toothpaste. Toothpaste? A whole barrel full of toothpaste? Oh, it's not quite full. I thought I could save us some money by making our own toothpaste. Uh, so you made 20 years' supply. Oh, it tastes pretty awful. But it worked, though. Remember how stained this elk's tooth on my watch chain was? Now look. Gee, 
Gosh, if you could only add peppermint flavor or something. Well, to tell you the truth, Bill, I'm a little tired of working with toothpaste. This new experiment has gotten me quite interested. Yeah, what is it? I may be wrong, but something I've worked out in that glass bottle seems to make things grow very rapidly. Well, what do you mean? Well, last week I took some one-celled forms and put them in the bottle in that solution. Then I exposed them to some rays from the diatherm. Somehow, it seemed when I looked at them through the microscope several days later, they were eight or ten times bigger. A lot bigger than I've ever seen cells like that yet. Maybe you've got something there, Pop. Maybe something they can do in any of the big labs, but that's sort of interesting to me. Well, whip me up a great big amoeba, will you, Pop? I'll lay it on the zoology teacher's desk like an apple. The trouble is, I don't remember exactly what I had in the solution or the exact setting of the diatherm machine. In other words, there are too many variables. Uh-huh. Hey, you know, Pop, it's guys like you fooling around in basements that really make the important discoveries. Uh, you try the impossible and accidentally make it work. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Pop, can I take the car? Well, all right. Be in early. Okay, Pop. Thanks a lot. Copper sulfate, 12 grams. Well, better make it 14 for good measure. Oh, hiya, Pop. Oh, I thought you were going to a show with Mom. Bill, take a look at this here in the tube. Oh. Good gosh. What is it? I don't know. It grew in there. Well, it's sort of a grayish-white blob. About the size of an egg. The day before yesterday, it was only half that size. Well, what did you put in there in the first place? Something I found in some stagnant water. I added a sort of salt solution to the water in the tube and rigged up this device that sends a current through the water. Well, the neighbors are kicking. There isn't a radio on the block that'll get anything but static. Uh, we'll invent something to stop that static. Yeah, or turn off the machine. Well, I couldn't do that. It'd ruin the experiment. Look at that thing. Doesn't it look as though eyes were forming on it, one on each side? Yeah, but they aren't the same size. I've looked through a couple of dozen books on zoology, and there's nothing like it in any of them. Well, maybe it's a polywog that went wrong. Well, you're not going to a movie then, huh? Huh, Pop? Hmm? A movie? Oh, no, I'm a little tired. Here, you take your money. Oh, well, I got a date. Well, I'll see you and your pal on the test suit later. July 8th. My specimen continues to grow. It now is a shapeless mass the size of a cantaloupe, and I've had to put it in a much larger container. Those definitely are eyes on the side of it. They follow me as I move around the basement. I've taken to locking the door. The thing might alarm Kathy if she should come down here. Very good dinner to my talk. How would you know, Edgar? You barely touched it. Oh, I'm sorry, dear. I've had a lot on my mind. The uh, bank examiner has been there the last three days. Yes, I know. But that hasn't been worrying me. If I didn't know what the real trouble was, I suspect you of being afraid they'd discover you juggled a book. Now that we can talk just between ourselves, Edgar, why don't you let your experiment go for a while? Now, Kathy. Please, Edgar. How do you suppose to be your Nothing of the kind. I feel fine. You know that's not so. You're pale and thin. Why, I'll bet you've lost 15 pounds the last few weeks. You never were exactly overweight, you know. Kathy, I wish you'd stop fussing at me. I'm not fussing at you. I just think you ought to stay out of the basement. Why? Why? Because I don't think it's good for you to be down there so much. Can't a man have at least one place where he can be away from everyone? A place where he can think? Esther, I never said a word as long as I didn't think it wasn't interfering with your health. You're spending hours down there. Why, most of the time, you don't get to bed before three and four o'clock. 
Now, don't look at me like that, Edgar. It's for your own sake. Stop talking to me as though I were a child. Just see how nervous and unstrung you are, Edgar. What is it you're working on? What are you doing down there, Edgar? Nothing, nothing. I'm building infernal machines. Now, would you let me alone? Just let me alone. That's all I ask. Let me alone. Set foot inside this basement. Reason why? Because I said no. That's no reason. I warn you, Catherine. Stop pushing. Let me go down. Edgar, let 
Edgar? Is that you, Edgar? Oh, you're in bed. Thank goodness. I thought maybe you'd gotten up and gone down to the basement again. Yes. Well, they have done that, you know. Come to bed till I was sleeping and got up. I thought I had somebody out in the snow. It's too quiet to be even. It sounded like you walking in slippers. Yes, you were in the Beside your wife's body? It was this thing. You call out of the basement, I just... This thing you refer to, you haven't been able to describe it. Was it an animal, a snake, or what? I don't know, I told you. It was in the basement as it got out. It was in there for weeks. Had anyone seen it but you, Mr. Randall? Oh, nobody. <laughs> Mr. Randall. How do you expect these intelligent men and women on the jury to believe in the existence of such a creature as you describe? A mass of flesh. No arms, no legs, no head. Just two green eyes set in a pulpy, palpitating, shapeless body. That's what it was. And you would have us believe that this, this jellyfish had the power to smother your son, an active, athletic high school boy? and then wrap its shapeless mass around the head of your wife, an able-bodied woman, and smother her also. I ask you this, Mr. Rapp. Where is this monster? I don't know. I don't know. I waste my time and the time of this jury in this court. The defendant leaves you no choice, ladies and gentlemen. You must believe him. You must believe his story. This fantastic yarn about this test tube Frankenstein. Or 
You must condemn him. Condemn him to the death as a conscienceless killer who smothered the breath of life from his son and from the woman who was his loyal and devoted wife. Which, I ask you, are you going to do? Thank <laughs> you. 